Join us today as fisheries biologist Wade Fredenberg talks about crazy fish names and a lot of other fishy things, what the names mean in their origin, and the crazy fish that go with them. Hi, and welcome to the FBCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I love the Swan Mountains. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, very talented producer, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering us the library as our podcast home. Well, today we welcome Wade Fredenberg. He's a retired fisheries biologist for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Wade, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, John. We enjoyed it last time and hope to have some fun again. Now, you uh, worked in Glacier National Park quite a bit, but you, but you worked for the Fish and Wildlife Service. Explain that. Well, I bounced around. I actually, as you know, worked for Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks for 13 years, but came over and started working out of Creston. And with the Fish and Wildlife Service, there was a, a big demand at back in the uh, early 90s for information on bull trout. So there wasn't a lot of, of survey work that had been done in the park on many of those lakes that contain bull trout. And I was lucky enough to uh, hook on with some of the park service staff and, and go up there and do some of their surveys so that we had a good baseline of information. You worked quite a bit with Bill Michaels, right? Yeah, yeah, Bill and I are still friends. We still fish together. Is Bill retired? He's retired also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's been retired. He, he got ahead of us, so he was retired. <laughs> I think he's been retired over a dozen years now. I worked with him a little because when I was doing the salmon counts up in McDonald Creek, he was kind of the resource right. officer on that, him and another guy I can't remember right now. No, I always referred to Bill as my fixer. <laughs> <laughs> if I had issues uh, trying to meet regulations or deal with bureaucrats in the park, Bill yeah. could usually fix it. Sure. Well, today, Wade, we're going to talk about the wacky world of fish names, and we may bleed this into the next show for part two. And maybe a few insects and mammals, too, while we're at it. Humans have always assigned names to important things in nature. Some critters have ended up with multiple names, and that can be confusing. But naming something gives you the basis to talk about it and its values. Think about it when you're talking to someone about an animal or whatever. If you can share a name that's functional or something the way the animal behaves, then you know what animal you're talking about. you got to know, right? you got to know the animal to really discuss it with someone. Right, and, I, you know, I'm always drawn back to the old B.C. cartoons. Remember B.C. where the guy would go over and lay on the on the creek bank and stick his head underwater and report what he was seeing to the to the wife that was standing nearby or a friend and uh, but yeah i mean typically trying to describe something if you have a name makes it a whole lot easier yeah it's like a place too the same thing you think of people out on the landscape in ancient times you know well let's meet at the, where the outlet of the big lake comes out like a big, right, a big right. salmon lake you know you have to have a way of, of naming it to, to even be there we don't know much about Native American names, but a lot of their names were exactly that. They referred to places and events that would occur. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really think the best type of common name for an animal is, is a description of what it does or what it looks like anyway, not some crazy thing you know, that you sometimes see. And we're going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so often, names of, of fish reflect the function, like sucker. And there's multiple species and families of suckers. And... You know, as you and I know, suckers, people look at suckers as trash fish, quote-unquote, and so on. 
But suckers are really an important part of the system, right? Yeah, and I think suckers, uh, you know, I was reading a recent article on suckers in Montana outdoors. Really, more than almost any other group of fish are a North American family of fish. They occur pretty much everywhere in North America, but not a lot of other places in the world. Yeah, that's really something. So we, we, are, we are very lucky to be a sucker-rich uh, area. <laughs> Sucker haven. <laughs> yeah. So, and then other names, and they are a descriptive name, and other names also can be descriptive like bullhead and cutthroat. What do you think of bullhead as a common name? I think it, you know, it, it gives you an image. A lot of these do. I particularly think some of the trout names are very descriptive. Rainbow trout and our, of yeah. course, West Slope cutthroat trout. Right. Brown trout isn't very sexy, but it kind of tells you what they look like. Sure. And, of course, you know, my favorite, the bull trout. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the cutthroat trout. Kind of a side story there. When Meriwether Lewis described the cutthroat, he mentioned, quote, a dash of red under the vicious chin. That's a great description. Later, though, when others assigned the scientific name, which has changed multiple times, they stayed true to Lewis's original description. And do you remember who caught those cutthroat trout at the falls of the Missouri? Ah, uh, you're testing my memory now, John. Silas Goodrich. Goodrich, okay. The, the person that Lewis said was remarkably fond of fishing. <laughs> <He caught. laughs> Go ahead. Well, you know, uh, in my years of handling fish and stuff, I started to notice that there are actually other species that have a, a slash under their chin, and, and both bull trout and arctic grayling actually have a slash under there, but the slash is typically black. Hmm. And so it makes me wonder if, if a cutthroat would have had a black slash instead of a red slash... Would, would they have had a different name? And probably so. Probably so, yeah. They're, you know, they're really a stunning when you look at a, a, a nice slash under the gill of those fish. It's just very, very, it's like nothing else. And, and what do we think the purpose of that slash is, John? Uh-oh, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, I, ha- I don't know, but I'm sure it has a purpose. What is it? Well, I, I, I don't think anybody knows, but oh, okay. it, it must have something to do with courtship display. Yeah. Where they, you know, you'll see this gaping behavior where a fish will open its mouth. Yeah to kind of show off, and that's when it flashes that red, I would think. And let's talk a little bit about the scientific name, and this, this is very indicative of other scientific names, as you and I were speaking earlier, but the scientific name changed a number of times for cutthroat. How many times has it changed? Well, at least three in my memory, so probably more than that when you go way back. And right now it's Oncorhynchus clarki lewisi. That's the subspecies for the West Slope. And the Yellowstone is Bovari. And they share the title of Montana's, Montana's state, state fish, fish, the there. black-spotted cutthroat trout, which that, doesn't actually exist. It doesn't exist, <laughs> that's right. And other names, uh, here's a, a good example of what we're talking about with, with uh, naming fish. Other names for cutthroat. Name some other names for cutthroat that you know. Oh. You should know the ones in the flathead. Well. Flat. Yeah, yeah flat, flat trout. I mean, my uncle, they, they would always differentiate between the ones that were migratory and they would call them bluebacks mm-hmm. or flats versus a, a cutthroat that was more of a resident fish that you might find in a smaller stream. Right. Cutties, everybody calls them cutties. Yeah. Just, you know, anglers like to use some charming little nickname like cutties or bows yeah. or brownies <laughs> yeah. or specks for brook trout. So Yeah, cutties is, uh, is trendy now. I don't like it. <laughs> it's too trendy. Cuts, yeah. I like cuts. Yeah, well, you know, those things change, obviously, over time, and a whole new generation comes in. I guess they're entitled to use their own favorite nicknames. And then there's red belly mountain trout, upper Missouri cutthroat trout. Those are all descriptions of the West Slope cutthroat, believe it or not. Yeah, red belly for sure. When I was a kid, we used to fish Hungry Horse Reservoir, and the 
early summer and it was always spectacular to catch one of those really colored up male uh, cutthroat that had right. a big red flank on them. Right. So we're lucky to have the West Slope over here. Best fish names in Montana. Let's let's talk about a couple we think are the best. Well, one of my suggestions would be the cutthroat trout. Yeah. I think I th- that's a great name for that fish. Yeah, I think there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's as descriptive as anything you could come up with. Of course, I, I always go back to bull trout and, yeah. you know, bull kind of signifying the biggest, strongest animal in the woods, I right. guess. And that's right. kind of what the bull trout are in the fish world. How about some of the suckers? Let's talk about some of those names. We have the, the fine scale sucker or the long nose sucker, they're the same. Uh, the large scale sucker and the mountain sucker. What do you think of those? Well, interestingly enough, there was another article in Montana Outdoors very recently, and I found out, you always learn something, right? I found out that there is no such thing as a mountain sucker. They've renamed that the Plains Sucker. Well, they can do that all they want. I'm still calling it the Mountain Sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You know why? Who first found it and described it as different? I do not know. William Clark. Oh. On the Yellowstone. Okay. What was he doing on the Yellowstone, you remember? They were coming back. Oh, I don't know the The party split, and Clark went down the Yellowstone with Sacagawea and Pomp and that group, and then Lewis went down and some of the others went down. They were just kind of exploring different routes. Yeah, yeah, but he described, if you read it in the journals when he's coming down the Yellowstone, he says it has a stripe. It's a sucker, but it has a red stripe down the side. And as you know, that's what the mountain sucker is very distinctive of. Well, and also longnose when they spawn have these incredible red stripes on them. But the most scholars that have read his description feel that that's probably the, the mountain sucker he was talking about. But I, but I don't think it'll ever change. The, the word sucker does not connotate something that people want to gravitate to, does it? <laughs> I guess not. There actually can be pretty good to eat in some cases, too, from what I understand. Yeah, it, there are other members of the sucker family, like the river carp sucker and yeah. the shorthead red horse. And I think those names are more stir different images rather than the word sucker. So maybe someday they'll rename the sucker something else that's a lot <laughs> sexier. Well, we talked about some of the names that we think are poor. And we're going to get it. We, we're running out of time now. We'll probably get into most of that in part two. But let's pick... Our, I think that's both our number one suggestion for that, and that would be the pike minnow. Tell yep. us about the, how the pike minnow has come about. Well, historically, pike minnow had a different name, and it was considered by some to be derogatory. So they wanted to change the name, and there's actually an official naming committee of the American Fisheries Society. At that time, the, the uh, committee was run by a gentleman out of Alberta, Canada. And so they there are more than than just the northern pike minnow. There's the Sacramento pike minnow and Colorado pike minnow. So there's like five species. So they came up because of their sort of flattened nose, if you will, and their their profile that they looked like northern pike. So they came up with the word pike minnow, which to my knowledge was a totally invented um, <laughs> story. My, my big objection, and I actually wrote a letter at the time, was that we don't have that many, in a, in a relative sense, we really don't have that many fish species in Montana. There's only about 100. And one of them is a northern pike. So when you call something a northern pike minnow, I mean, you're basically indicating to people that it's a small northern pike. And <laughs> I, I guess we're stuck with that confusion until somebody comes along and changes it to something else. And as a fish educator, I've come up against it a bunch of times. I kind of resent that. Well, wait, hold that thought. We're going to keep going in part two. And thanks a lot for coming on. Okay. Thanks, John. That's all the time we have for this episode of the FVCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.